Greetings, film fans. What's up? Welcome into the Second Day Film Podcast. It's the official podcast of the Second Day Film Club. I'm your host, Brandon Champion, joined by my fellow philosophizers of film, Mike Nichols and Evan Dean, on Tuesday, February 8th, 2022. So good to be back on the mic talking movies, gentlemen. And uh, man, there's a lot going on right now. Like Oscar Noms just came out. I'm frantically trying to watch some of the nominees. You know, things are hitting streaming services like all the time. And Marvel in particular, as we were just talking about, guys, continues to pump out content. Uh, And that's why we're here tonight. We are way behind in reviewing some of the stuff that has come out in the back half of 2021. Uh, So we're going to hit all that tonight. But uh, guys, good to see you as always. Uh, Evan hitting you with the pop quiz. Uh, What's your favorite Brad Pitt performance? Oh, my favorite Brad Pitt performance. Oh, man. I would have to say the the curious case of Benjamin Button. Okay. Interesting. What about you, Mike? I was going to say Deadpool 2. <laughs> I was going to no. go with Troy. Uh, okay, my, my honest answer, I mean, it's it's probably Fight Club. He's yeah. really good in that. Also, that's what I was thinking, too. Also, meet Joe Black. He, he does a good job in that one, too, I thought. Whoa, that's a deep pull right there. I actually watched that recently. I have no idea why, but... Uh, definitely did. All right, cool. Yep, that's the popcorn quiz, I should say, Evan. I called it the popcorn, <laughs> the pop quiz. But uh, appreciate everyone for listening. I know it's been a while. We are uh, basically a once a month pod, maybe if we're lucky uh, these days. But you know, we got lives, guys. We're busy, right? Like uh, sometimes the schedules don't line up. We got stuff going on. What are you gonna do? Um, but I'm glad we're here today. It's so so fun to talk movies with you guys whenever we get together. Um, if you could please check out our podcast uh, on Facebook, on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, give us a rating review if you enjoy what we say. Connect with us however you want. Um, we love to talk. So let's get into it, guys. Uh, let's. What do we want to do here first? What do we decide on? Mar- Hawkeye, right? So like I said, all Marvel today. We're going to go crazy with Marvel and then at the end maybe give some suggestions of things that we've been watching. Uh, so it starts with Hawkeye. It's the latest... Uh, Disney Plus series. It stars Jeremy Renner, Haley Steinfeld, uh, Florence Pugh, Vera Farmiga, Tony Dalton. Uh, some other interesting characters pop in and out. Uh, but the plot summary. Series based on Marvel Comics superhero Hawkeye, centering on the adventures of young adventure Kate Bishop, who took on the role after the original Avenger Clint Barton. Uh, guys, I loved it. This came out around Christmas. It has a very Christmas vibe to it. That's one of the things I liked quite a bit. But uh, Mike and I were watching this when it came out. Evan, you saw it most recently. So I'll give you the first thought here uh, since it's fresh in your head. Yeah, you know, I think that it's fine. And I wish I had a more elaborate, detailed response. You know, I mean, so obviously it's good to, you know, to do a, a deep dive on Hawkeye. He's one of the original six Avengers who never really got his time in the spotlight, just like Black Widow until recently. Um, and, you know, we obviously get a new character here, a new hero added in, in Kate Bishop. And uh, I thought they had, uh, you know, they had a good relationship. I thought there was some some fun to it. Um, you know, there was some comedy, but, it, it, you know, and I will say the, the, the whole idea of having the trick arrows presented us with a lot of kind of fun action scenes. That's a cool element to a a superhero. Um, But it was just like, okay. You know, I I feel like Marvel for me, there is so much content and they're, they're, as we said, they're churning out um, not only movies now, but series all the time. And I don't know that this was essential like, I don't know that it was really unique. I don't know that it brought anything different to Marvel. Um, uh, you know, it's ri- I, I would disagree with that a little bit because I think that it really focuses on the street level of the Marvel universe universe more than we've gotten. I mean, I mean, we're going to talk about, you know, we've talked about Shang-Chi this year. We've talked we're going to talk about Eternals coming up. And I kind of like as someone who likes some of what those uh netflix street level hero shows were doing with marvel i, th- I like i thought that so those were okay i like to sort of dive back into the simple just sort of like take it down a notch so to speak you know I, yeah so like i do think in in avengers with jeremy renner is a character who's always sort of you know been a big character but not quite on the top tier 
So I do think that this series does a lot to sort of service him and his development as a character. Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, you're right. I mean, we don't want to be kind of staying in the same style for all of the Avenger series. You know, you're going to have characters who have superpowers. You're going to have characters who are based in space. And there are also characters who don't have any real powers at all. Who just have a um, bow and arrow. <laughs> right. You know, but that, but we, we have seen characters who have little to no powers before, or we've seen them maybe prior to them actually gaining powers. Um, so it was fine. I really, you know, didn't have a whole lot to add to it. I thought that, um, like I said, it's good to see, you know, Jeremy Renner get some more attention. I think he's a good actor. I think he, um, he did a good job, but, um, in terms of the massive, you know, amount of Marvel content, it won't be something that sticks out in my head as something that was all that memorable. Are you going to join this podcast or what? <laughs> well, as the resident archery expert of this podcast, I, I just want to uh, just remind everyone that in terms of all weapons in human history, arrows have killed more people than any other weapon. More than bullets, <laughs> more than swords. Congrats. More than, <laughs> more than, more than <laughs> tanks. Arrows are the number one throughout all of human history. Obviously, in the last fifty years, you know, there's uh, what do you what do you think about Hawkeye though? So good on it. So let's let's first of all respect superheroes that use bows and arrows. It's a good callback to. to uh, you know, I wonder to a character you've never talked about on the podcast before. That's right. Obviously, I'm talking about Green Arrow. So <laughs> I. Yeah, uh, I I actually really like this one. I think of all the Marvel like new shows we got at Disney Plus with WandaVision and like Falcon Winter Soldier and Loki. To me, Hawkeye is my favorite. I think like WandaVision is better in terms of the quality and the moment it came out and the way it studied grief and explored. But like I really I don't know. I really thought there was a lot of weakness in the WandaVision finale. And I actually really like the way this built into its finale. And I thought it was just really fun. I thought like the archery was incredible. Yeah, obviously, I, as someone who does archery, like the trick arrows are, are impossible and ridiculous, but they're they're just fun. They're, they're fun to watch, and it's. I, I thought the form was actually pretty good. Um, there were a couple moments where I didn't like the elbow use. I noticed with some of Haley Steinfeld's shots and <laughs> Jeremy Renner, like they gotta like get the elbows down a little bit when pulling drawing back. Uh, there's some other things about the bow types they were using, but you know what? shut up don't make fun of me i think about these things when i watch like movies and tv shows with archery in it so yeah overall i did like the way she shoots the bell with that one little arrow with like a tennis ball like that would never do that so right i I will i will just say real quick i do agree that it ended strong i I thought that you know it, it did close strong which to your point, WandaVision didn't do, but I figured Champ would love it because it has a golden retriever with a physical disability, and that like <laughs> hits the arrow right to his heart. Pun intended. Oh yeah. No, yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I just think the show had a lot of heart to begin with. I yeah, loved the con- totally. I loved the uh, I loved the uh, the chemistry between Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld. I thought that they sort of played off each other, sort of in this father daughter yeah. uh, role, really well um there was this the show was just fun it felt like just a fun little mini series around christmas you had characters popping in and out it was so awesome seeing uh vincent d'onofrio as wilson fisk again um obviously reprising his role from the daredevil series i think that he is so good in that role uh really imposing uh you know i hopefully that the way this ended where they sort of just dispatched him uh, that he can't actually be gone i mean although i don't really know how he's going to survive and i do think they leaned a little bit too far into making him like superhuman uh because he like gets blown up and he's totally fine he's supposed to just be like a regular gangster but i thought he was awesome and also uh, our girl florence Pugh uh rolling in uh reprising her role from black widow i thought when she showed up in the series sort of brought uh sort of an extra uh punch and jump that sort of uh brought a lot of fun back to the series so Overall, I really liked it. I thought that, um, like I said, I liked the street level aspect of it because it felt more stripped down and less cosmic. So you really got to connect with the characters uh, more. And I really appreciated how with Jeremy Renner in particular, you know, everyone, everyone else got their loved ones back after Endgame. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Natasha didn't come back. 
So yeah. it was it was good to sort of see how he is still reacting and mourning over that loss in this series. Yeah, they did a really good job, like slipping in some very heavier themes throughout, especially with like the, the, the memories of Natasha and even just Hawkeye exploring his own grief of like, man, look what I did when I was like, I murdered a bunch of people. And mm-hmm. even just coming to terms little, with him. Yeah, yeah, there's a little moment where he's I think he's in like in a bathroom and he notices someone's like the little graffiti and just says Thanos was right. It's like, dang. <laughs> but it is it's just like that's the kind of stuff people would say and it's kind of if like if you if you watch like video essays that's what people do say like technically Thanos is kind of right because he's like a sympathetic villain because he wants it it's like imagine like going up to hawkeye and telling him hey Thanos was right like mm-hmm. it's just the art sometimes like our theoretical arguments just fly in the face of those who've suffered through it and and i also like the way that they brought um cliff's own body starting to age like his he has to have a hearing aid in this one um, they did a good job, I think, of drawing some of the best things out of the comic uh, for that a lot of this is based on. I think it's Hawkeye, My Life is a Weapon. Um, I don't remember who wrote it. I think it was Matt Fraction. Uh, I read it a long, long time ago. Like, but yeah, like they did a they did a good job drawing some good elements from the Hawkeye comics comics into like this narrative, and then they just put a lot of really charismatic actors together, and that made it really fun. I mean. I, obviously, Haley Sten, Stenfield was great, and anytime she got to in, interact with uh, Florence Pugh was also really fun. I heard they ad lib some of their lines for that, like where she's like, "Why do this have like one spoon?" The like, macaroni. Yeah, she's like, "I'm just one person." <laughs> like I heard, I heard she improvised that line, which is a great line. So it's cool to see like a lot of young talent like getting together and getting to like flex their comedy and action muscles. Um, I thought they did a great job with this one. Um, this one was just well produced all around. I give it an A minus. Yeah, I'm at an eight out of 10. Uh, like I said, just really appreciated um, and how you sort of brought that up about we get to see a, we get to see Clint's baggage in this yeah, and how sort of him like by him, you know, taking care of this surrogate daughter is how he gets to get home to his own family. Uh, there's something really beautiful in that. And he sort of grows as a as a both as a superhero, but also as Clint Barton. Uh, in this series a lot so that was really cool to see uh, so I was eight out, of, eight out of ten what about you Evan yeah I ended up going with a seven out of ten I, I did like that we got to see him in his family role in a more expanded family role um, because you know he really is just a normal guy and, and that is so different from many of the other superheroes you know I just for me I really it's 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 just a sliding scale with Marvel because they've done so much good stuff and so um, it's not, I mean, it's, it, I still thought it was really a seven for me as a solid series. Well, worth the watch. It's just, you know, there's other things within that universe that I I've liked better, but, um, obviously still worth watching and, uh, yeah, yeah. I thought it was fine. Also, I will say that the Rogers, the musical joke is one of my favorite jokes. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that was good. That was hilarious. We get to see the whole first, uh, the f- whole, f- whole first scene there of the play. Don't we in the post credit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was like, here comes a big post credit scene. We're going to get a big hint about 2022. Nope. It's Rogers, the musical. Okay. That's okay. Let's move on. Anyways, moving on to uh, more Marvel. Uh, it is Eternals. It's a movie directed by Chloe Zhao. The saga of the Eternals, a race of immortal beings who lived on Earth and shaped its history and civilizations. This has an ensemble cast of Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Angelina Jolie, Selma Hayek, Kit Harington, Kumail Nanjiani, Liz McHugh, Brian Tyree Henry, Lauren Ridloff, Barry Keegan, uh, Ma Dong Suk, uh, Harish Patel, Bill Skarsgård. A lot of people in this movie, uh, quite honestly. There's, what, 10 Eternals, I think. So this is the latest, Mike, and Evan, you didn't quite get to Eternals. You plan to in the future. This is this movie's been pretty polarizing since it came out, I think, in November. Um, it's It hasn't been one of the better reviewed Marvel movies. I mean, I, we try and avoid that as much as we can. But obviously, when you it's been out for this long, it's going to be hard to avoid sort of some of the feedback. I went and saw this pretty late at night in IMAX. I had some some decent expectations for it. I was pretty let down overall. I think the movie's way too long. Like it's just, it's not, it's not swift and interesting enough in my opinion for it to be over two and a half hours long. Um, And it almost feels too big and too cosmic. And for that reason, it feels so disconnected from everything else we know in the MCU 
that I found it hard to relate to. But but Mike, mm. what are your thoughts on it? Um, yeah, like I also felt just internally as I was watching, I also kind of felt polarized. There were certain things about that I was like, oh, this is beautiful filmmaking. This is so good. And then I'm like, what? Well, this isn't good. Why are they doing that? Like, so, <laughs> oh, wait, wow, this is cool. Oh, this is interesting. Wait, that's the outcome. Oh, well, that's not good. Like, I, I would like, there's, there's a lot of good in this movie, but there's also like some flaws. I, I don't know. It just, it's fine. I wonder if there were like too many cooks in the kitchen behind the scenes or i do have a question though when you saw it did the widescreen aspect keep changing for you oh man i i was in imax so i don't know if maybe that changed it because the screen was already massive uh okay. i didn't i didn't notice it um but yeah okay so the, the aspect ratio kept changing throughout the movie like we were watching it uh on tv uh, my girlfriend and I are watching it. Hi, Catherine. Um, and it like it like we had it on Disney Plus, and the ask like the widescreen like would come in, and then another shot would be gone and come back in, and it was just doing that throughout the whole movie. If, if we're watching it on Disney Plus, um, so I don't know if like it was something up with the TV. I've never seen any other movies or stuff we watch on there do it, but Man, yeah, maybe like, I just missed it because I could see them doing something like that for like when they get to you know whether they're when they're like talking to Arisham or they're in like yeah. this singularity or void. Maybe they widen out to make it feel more like like I said cosmic. And then when you're on the Earth and the more intimate scenes, maybe it's it was changing. But I didn't really notice it. But come, I was I was had big big expectations with Chloe Zhao directing this because she obviously mm. just did Nomadland. I, I think that one best picture, if I remember correctly. And then the rider was another movie she directed that I was really into. So when I saw that she got this Marvel gig, I was a little bit like taken aback, like, okay, here's, you got like this art house director that's going to take on a, a Marvel movie. And I think it had mixed results. Like, I, I don't think the, the problem of this was, was too artsy, but sometimes it feels like it's the movie is like so like melancholy and like focused on the the eternals and how and their individual struggles and it's really like usually i like this when they strip them down and we see them more as human but like for some reason it felt like like almost like it was like a meditation on each of these characters and what it means to be this big cosmic being and they all sort of react to it differently and then for that reason it sort of feels more like a character study and less like a big superhero movie. I, yeah. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think, I think it was uneven the way the story was done. Cause it, it tries to introduce these characters and then it goes back and then it cuts forward again. And then it, like, like just the, the pacing of the narrative and the, 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 the wide focus on all these different characters, it was really ambitious in what it was trying to do, but I just don't think it, I don't think it was enough. And yet it was also too much and, and it was just kind of long. Like um, I, I, especially in the beginning, some of the shots felt really disjointed where like you would be shown two characters in like walking on the street and then there's a different shot and then they're in a completely different part of the street with something else happening. And it just, there was a lot of disjointedness in some of the, like some of the action. And also I think because they were Eternals, it didn't really feel as dangerous because we're like, well, these are like basically gods sort of. So yeah. they're yeah. just like punching these big monsters. And I, I, why do I care about this? I, they can't really get hurt. Like one guy's power is even like he has finger guns, which is, it's a little silly is for them to be like, we are gods and we are this serious thing. <laughs> also he's got finger guns and it's this amazing, hilarious actor. Like, yeah. it's, it's it just, almost feels like you're worrying about like the, yeah yeah it feels like you're worrying about like the the top level stockbrokers on wall street like worrying about their quarrels you know the quarrels of billionaires like but it's just like this is the the top beings in the world on this ethereal plane and it's sort of their inter squabbling of ideals and ways that they want to govern us puny little humans and we get to serve earth is spared because of their you know, their generosity and, and I don't know, it just, I found it hard to connect with, you know, like, because we, yeah. why do we connect with the street level superheroes or even the Avenger level superheroes or even the guardians? It's because we, they feel relatable. They have human emotions and traits and they, everything just felt so rigid with, with a lot of the main cast. 
and it, I just found it really hard to connect to them or their overall mission. Yeah, it definitely made it feel like, well, what does it really matter whatever Iron Man or Captain America do because the Eternals can just, you know, everyone, everything's mm-hmm. going to die and just come back, so it's fine. Like, well, why why does anything matter then? Like, why? Like, it. I don't know. Like, it just, some of the some of the very big ideas it presented in some ways kind of collapsed in on themselves. Like yeah, when it you, was almost too big. It, like, yeah. They, yeah. That's why it's I like, said well, it was too it cosmic. Doesn't matter. Like, you know, it's okay because everyone's going to die. So this big thing can be made and then more people will live and then they'll die. And then it's just like, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so, like, cool. So much but, for the uh, infinity war. Glad yeah, we like, did all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do want to say, I like that Marvel did try to do something that was a bit bigger. Like, they did try to be, okay, like, let's look at the big, more cosmic effect, cause and effect of things. And, like, just even, like, the way they did the spaceships and the way they did the androids, like, it was, I think, one of the most beautiful Marvel movies. Yeah, it looked great. And the, the, like, I liked that they used more physical locations than just, like, a lot of Marvel just tends to be green screen, and it, it felt like there was a lot more um, real location shots for this one, which I appreciate. Yeah, the beach battle at the end I thought was particularly uh, cool. Like the the action sequences were cool. Like they were seeing cool, them yeah. how to use their their various fights and the CGI was good, of course. But I mean, this is like base level stuff for Marvel. Like we're we, we I mean we don't really give them credit for it because they've been so yeah. good for so long. But we kind of expect those elite CGI uh, that elite CGI stuff from the studio. I did enjoy the fights. It was fun seeing them sort of work together and they felt epic and big and huge in scale. Uh, I just don't, don't know that I really cared which side won. <laughs> and when you, when you have like these huge uh, consequences, I feel like I should care more about that, but I guess it's just kind of hard to see how this fits in uh, to the overall MCU because we have sort of the street level plane that we were talking about. You have the Avengers sort of plane. You have the space plane with, with Gal- galaxies, uh, gardens of the galaxy, Thor, whatnot. And then this is sort of like the ethereal spiritual plane. And maybe it's just one step too far, one step too deep. Uh, you know, so, but Evan, what, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that, uh, I think it's, it's kind of emblematic of the bigger problem of Marvel right now. I mean, when we got to, um, end game, I felt like we were pretty much tapped. Like we shouldn't go about introducing more and more and more and more characters and more and more and more universes and movies and worlds. And they're obviously continuing to do it. And, you know, I, I just don't know how they're going to make it all cohesive. They managed to, they managed to take so many different characters and make it work uh, once we hit Infinity War and Endgame. And I just don't know how they're going to do that again. Um, it just feels like they're just they're creating too much at this point. We, we talked about that a lot when we were when Mike and I reviewed Loki about how when they reopen when they opened up sort of this multiverse concept, how yeah. uh, y- you can get in trouble with that real quick because you can constantly be retconning yourself. You can write yourself into a writing corner real easily uh, if you open up this multiverse layer. And obviously in Spider-Man, which we're going to talk about next, it plays a big factor and is used to great success, I think. But like when you yeah. when it, I do agree that more is not always better, but. Uh, that ship sort of sailed. I mean, they're going to be pumping out content. Oh, they're going to want to support Disney Plus. And, I, and for the record, I don't think these Disney Plus shows have been a detriment to the MCU. Mike, you've seen them all as well. And I think for the most part that they've served the characters that they're telling the story about for the better. But I do agree that the rate that they're pumping stuff out uh, can be overwhelming. Uh, yeah, I think it's good to give more screen time to these characters. But I will say all of the Disney Plus shows... Like even in some ways with Hawkeye, like there there's just been something a little just forced about the writing. For well, they're all things. established characters already too, so we're learning more about characters we already knew. And in the case of, um, you know, in the case of the new Captain America, we're kind of transitioning there. So it's not like we're getting a whole bunch of new characters. Unlike in Eternals, I guess I'm just worried about you know some of the new like like moon knight some of the new characters who we know are going to be introduced it's like feels like i don't mind learning a little bit more about the the already established characters but how many can we possibly fit and then to champ's point it's like 
So like Captain Marvel was conveniently not around during everything that before she came back, when if she would have been around, she could have just taken care of everything, you know? So right. it's like conveniently writing. Well, they do address that. They do address that in the movie that the Eternals, I think it's actually said one of the characters said, what about Thanos or whatever? It's said that they aren't supposed to interfere with human com or with conflicts unless they're absolutely supposed to. They they try and write around it. Um, like I said, yeah. they're supposed to be like this godlike spiritual plane, so they're not supposed to interfere. The only people they're fighting in the movie are the deviants, which is like this other race that's on their level. So yeah. it's kind of like a conflict outside of the human conflict. But you you're right in worrying that if you like inflate the universe too much. Uh, you're really going to have to focus on keeping characters in their own lanes uh, mm -hmm. because you don't want to get to a situation where you're just like the only draw of your show or movie is which random character is going to pop up. You, you mm -hmm. don't want to get into that situation like Star Wars right now is sort of getting into that same thing with the Disney Plus with all the new Star Wars shows. They're creating a universe and it's sort of becoming who's going to show up. And I don't think it's healthy if that's your only draw. And we're kind of straying away from Eternals here, but we're having a Marvel episode. So it's kind of just like a bigger yeah, conversation no, about it. And I think it's yeah. fine. But, um, you know, we'll get to Spider-Man in a second here um, to sort of build on this conversation. But I think it's one worth having because it is a concern for Marvel fans, which we all are. Yeah. And I, I do think that another thing that um, I think has happened with some of the writing with these things is that they kind of have to like force so many plot points to happen so they can like for example with falcon and winter soldier i really liked a lot of that show but the whole thing of well all we can do is really bring zemo back to he's the only one who could find it's like really so like we're gonna have these main characters who are all about hey kids like you don't want to compromise what you do like when he's telling the girl like you know you don't want to be a terrorist freedom fighter because then you know really no different also i just broke zemo out of jail because he was the only way i could find someone else it's like what like but the they, Avengers the did plenty of illegal stuff too. yeah the writing just gets so forced and inconsistent like really like the only thing that um you know you're telling me this character would have thought to do was to break zemo out of jail that's the well, first thing this character would have done like all the writing yeah. starts getting really forced and the characters start making decisions that don't really line up with the characters just because someone has to make a cameo appearance or this has to tie into that or because we need to get to some kind of message. And I think sometimes when you when you create con art content too fast and, and you try too much to like tie it all in together, you have to sacrifice story for content. I don't know if I said that right. but oh, Story I, for I, continuity. Yeah. Yeah, you could say. Well, I mean, yeah. And yeah, I, I was just going to add. Yeah, because, you know, in so many of these situations, you can't help but wonder like, oh, where is this particular hero who could really be useful in this situation? And they're all like there's a convenient explanation for why so and so is not around or so and so. And I understand they're all living different lives and they're they're fighting different battles, but it's just. Yeah, what was the line in Captain Captain Marvel is that there's thousands of galaxies and I have to be in all of them. And yeah. the, the, the Eternals sort of do the same similar thing, which whatever um, it is, what it is. What I, I was thrown off, Mike, by um, uh, our boy, Jon Snow, saying he was in love with Cersei. Definitely took me out of it for a second there. <laughs> and we of course, we have Rob Stark and Jon Snow and the, yeah. the main Gemma Chan's name character's name is Cersei. It was really messing with me for a second there. Uh, okay. But that's just kind of a was there any character? Was there any performances from the Eternals that sort of stood out to you? I I do want to say I think Harrington was kind of wasted in this movie. Like that yeah. was like they brought him in. He's this character and then they kind of made him this. He's the one weird, human. Yeah. Like everyone kind of had this like we're, we're dry joking personality in this movie and no one was really that. I don't know. Convincing is that dry personality. I don't know. But uh, I, there was um, there was I like Kumail Nanjiani. He cracks yeah. me up in everything. Yeah, he was good. And his, his assistant was good. He was like the one he was because he was a human. You could kind of relate to his experience yeah. around these people. Yeah, that's like the only characters we're relating to. It's not good when the one character we're relating to is like his sidekick, like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. minor characters. So <laughs> I will say there was a lot of first in this. Like, I think we got the first kind of sex scene. Um, I guess if you don't count like the first kind of scene in Iron Man, 
um and they had like a character who was a gay dad and they had like deaf characters and there was more diversity like that was cool to see and the way that was tied in so like they they definitely took the opportunity um to have these 10 roles to uh definitely have a diverse they made an they made an effort to have a diverse cast of eternals yeah that's very clear and i you know i i was hesitant to bring that up because I don't want it to seem like a criticism. I don't want, it, but I wondered like if like Disney, I do wonder some, like, I don't want to be I'm like, we need to have a checklist. Like Disney's trying to make up for this lost time by having all this diversity in this one movie and then just kind of throwing it away forever. You know, like mm-hmm. there shouldn't be a checklist. So, um, but I do think it makes sense to have the Eternals be all sorts of different races because they are like this, you know, they're, they're overlooking earth. Yeah. So they they should be diverse. That makes sense. I also did really love the scene at the end where um, uh, that that uh, big uh, basically the the godlike character and who they're the angels for or something. um, When he parts the clouds and his just whole figure is looming over the whole planet, and then he oh yeah. Like I was like, or when, whoa! Like the shots when the, in this were really cool when they did. Oh, it was dope. Kind of like epic. Like, oh, whoa! Um, the design of the ship was cool. Yeah, um, and I don't want people to think there aren't. It's just there was just a lot of inconsistency with what was good and what was I don't know, just too too abstract for the too moody. Universe. like too moody for me it's too too melancholy it doesn't feel like a superhero movie to me i get a five five point five out of ten uh i just really didn't like it mike i have to be honest despite the cgi some great work with the shooting uh with the shots action was cool enough when it came in bits but i didn't connect with the characters i didn't see how this was necessary within the mcu um and i quite frankly i was bored by the runtime which is something i rarely say for a marvel movie so uh, I think it's a miss for me, but um, you know Marvel's got a pretty good track record, so they're not going to hit them all, I guess. What grade do you got? Um, I'd give Marvel's take on Ancient Aliens. Um, <laughs> I'd give it a B, maybe a B minus. All right. <clears throat> all right, there you go. It's Eternals. It's on Disney Plus. Uh, also, a little uh, dialogue on the state of of Marvel, uh, but that's good. That's what we're here for on this episode. Um, so let's get let's get into the main event here. Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, Evan saw this as well. So we've got all three here. Uh, this movie's directed by John Watts with Spider-Man's identity now revealed. Peter asks Doctor Strange for help. When a spell goes wrong, dangerous foes from other worlds start to appear, forcing Peter to, to discover what it truly means to be Spider-Man. Tom Holland reprises his role as Peter Parker. We've also got Zendaya. Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, Jacob pa- Jacob Badalon, John Favreau, Jamie Foxx, Willem Dafoe, Af- Alfred Molina, Benedict Wong, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire. Um, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Tobey Maguire are in this movie? <laughs> uh, yeah, archi- archival footage? No, obviously. Uh, <laughs> obviously, Some the secret's spoiler. out at this point. Um, which, guys, we can just start there, I guess. Yeah. Um, like yeah, the, like I don't, I don't think I wasn't surprised when this happened. Like, I, you have to question the marketing of this movie, in my opinion. Like, why are we showing like Alfred Merlina popping up in the trailer? Like, you're not gonna bring back villains from other Spider-Man movies, and then try and keep it a secret that the other Spider-Men aren't gonna come back. Like, I don't know. Like, was that supposed to be played off as a big surprise? Because it seemed obvious to me. Well, I would say Mike tried to uh, lead me astray because I had noticed uh, those villains in the trailers as well. And I kind of texted you guys like, no, we're not. We're, are we really going to get an appearance from Toby and from Andrew? And uh, Mike, so, uh, he, he so led good, me astray. Yeah. So it, it, <laughs> it helped me out and uh, really made it enjoyable for me. Uh, go on YouTube, though, and watch audience reactions. That's why they marketed it the way that they did, because there were yeah. people cheering yeah. cheering no, it's cool. in the theater it's cool um well Evan, tell them what i did to you <laughs> well i mean I, well i just like i said i just i just did right I, I texted you guys after seeing the trailers and seeing some of the old villains and i had said you know are we gonna see toby or andrew and i said don't answer that and you like pretended to jump the gun and say no they're not in it and then uh 
and then apologized profusely. And then I realized what you had done all along. So, um, <laughs> but, say, but it wasn't that convincing. <laughs> I, I, I will, I will say this. Um, the reason this was so good for me needs a little bit of a backstory. So Iron Man is my favorite MCU character, but, but growing up as a child, Spider-Man was my favorite superhero. Um, there's a game. You know, everyone old, else. Right. But there's an old <laughs> arcade game called Marvel versus Capcom. I'll never forget this game. And I would always pick Spider-Man as one of my characters. And then when I was in middle school, uh, the Tobey Maguire films came out. And I remember going like in seventh grade with the guys and girls and like, it's a little awkward, but fun. And we'd go to the Cadillac five to see the Spider-Man films. And they were incredible films, films that still hold up today. And one thing I've, I love, always loved about Spider-Man, and it's always worked for the films, even the Andrew Garfield films, is just, you know, he's, he, he allows for such fun action. I mean, he swings with webs from building to building. I mean, just his character. He doesn't fly. He's not limited to the ground. But that uniqueness to him, I think, creates a ton of fun action scenes. I think in this movie, it uh, was, was um, utilized even better when they start to go into the crazy multiverse world that looked like something out of Inception. Um, but then, you know, we get hit with, with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, and it was just like a blast of nostalgia for me and so much fun. And I won't keep going on because I know you guys have thoughts, but it was so self-aware. There was so many nods to the previous franchises and I've never seen anything like this done where you're taking three, you know, different superhero franchises and able to string them all together. Um, it was just awesome. I'll get into more examples as we go, but uh, I, I absolutely loved this film and I needed it because I was starting to feel some Marvel fatigue. I wrote down that it was a love letter to Spider-Man fans because that's, yeah. that's kind of what it felt like. It was just like, you know, so much fan service, like we're going to bring these different guys in. They're all going to play their different, you know, styles of Spider-Man, which when they get on screen together, you really it really comes back like how different Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is than Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I mean, they came up they came out so many years oh, yeah. apart, but it, you remember that Tobey Maguire was much more reserved and sort of like nerdy version. Whereas uh, Tom Holland has, he's nerdy, but it's more like a cool nerdy, you know, he has like quips and stuff. So uh, it's when they all got on screen together and they were playing sort of their different styles. That was super fun to see because it basically was like paying off everything that Spider-Man fans have been watching, you know, since 2002 when the first one came out. So I really appreciated that. I loved how at the start of this movie, uh, might as well start there. Spider-Man's basically like getting canceled. You know, you have like mm -hmm. people on both sides. You've got the haters that believe Mysterio. Um, and then you've got, you know, the people who are loyal to Spider-Man. And that feels like really realistic considering our current environment. You know, there's yeah. this loud, chaotic media environment that's obviously symbolized mostly by J.K. Simmons returning to play Jonah Jameson. And he, I think he's sort of a stand in for like huge you know, cable news networks or propaganda <laughs> tabloids that are swaying public opinion. And I just felt like to set uh, a Spider-Man movie against that sort of like court of public opinion uh, was was a smart way to sort of put us in the mindset of, of what this Peter Parker is going through and the challenges he's going to have to get through in this film. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I loved this movie. Um, I definitely think it was one of Marvel's best of the MCU. I also think it's definitely one of the best Spider-Man movies ever. Definitely in my top three favorite Spider-Man. Like for me, my top three favorite Spider-Man movies are Spider-Man 2, Into the Spider-Verse, and this one. And yeah. uh, I don't, I don't know what order they all go in different orders on different day. But, uh, yeah, this one is, is, I wrote down the exact same thing, champ. I wrote, I wrote down literally, uh quote a love letter to spider-man fans and to the three generations of spider-man's cinema wow um it was yeah like it, it sometimes felt a little you know sometimes all the characters were a little too jam-packed like the, the lizard did not get much development for example but um, <laughs> you know, um but yeah like it was uh it was just so good to see all these characters come together and i was like kind of shocked that they 
that Toby and Andrew had such a larger role in the film. I thought like maybe they just would make cameos, like maybe they'd come in at the end, but like they they kind of come into the start of the third act. Like they're they're, they're, oh, yeah. they're the whole time and they're they're talking to him. They take the moment where he meets them and they actually make it serious and heartfelt. Like I like they they do have obviously a bunch of like kind of Disney Disney humor and and other character humor, but like when they first meet, they do make it meaningful and serious and they give them it's good the pivot point lines. of the movie i mean oh, yeah. i did not expect them to be the pivot the the most pivotal point in the movie really because they remind tom holland of who he is i mean one yeah. of them i mean they they come in and they they come in and they they share their experiences uh toby mcguire in, in particular is a much more mature spider-man yeah. um in the series so the cool, he sort he's of the cool, he's the cool youth pastor of the spider yeah yeah I mean, <laughs> that was, those, that was awesome. those jokes were hilarious when they were all yeah. going against each other but but they sort of they really you know and that's you know we get the the great power great responsibility stuff that carries over and and peter parker's you know like how do you know she said that and he's like my uncle ben said that the day yeah. he died mm-hmm. and he's like maybe she didn't die for nothing peter yeah. because you learn this lesson that we've all learned so he's really uh, I think this movie can be chopped up. And Mike, you might remember when we reviewed uh, Far From Home. Uh, or I was talking a lot about, you know, how uh, it was about Spider-Man learning how to replace Iron Man and how he needed to step up to the mantle. And that was sort of his t- him taking the next step. That's continued yeah. in this movie um, through him learning that what it really means to be that hero. And in this movie, we see him go through real loss that is yeah. going to give him more scars uh, as we move forward to make him feel like a fully fleshed out character, like like Iron Man, who's experienced loss, or Steve Rogers, who's experienced loss. Yeah, so been, it was huge in that way. Yeah, there's been a couple complaints about the Tom Holland trilogy, not necessarily with Tom Holland, but just like the way they've done this Spider-Man is almost more Iron Man's ward. And there's there's mm-hmm. a lot of ways in which yeah, the whole premise of Spider-Man, he's always down on his luck and, you know, he's struggling with things we all struggle with. Well, the Tom Holland Spider-Man, like, he's got, like, a billionaire like, mentor. He got he gets the suit for free from Tony. He, like, gets all these suits from Tony. He just, you know, he has everything pretty easy. He goes to, like, this really special school that's, like, for genius kids, you know. And then with this movie, we actually see Spider-Man has to deal with crap and he has to deal with consequences. Yeah. And he has to deal with actual like major loss and then real struggle with his own identity and his own choices and the consequences of those choices and that was really nice to finally see them give to this character and and to see him grow through it then made it all the more worthwhile um and at the end when he finally makes his own costume and it's like the classic spider-man look mm-hmm. then he's, mm-hmm. he's kind of like if you look at the icons on it he's actually got a blend of andrew and toby's costumes a little bit and it's just so satisfying to see that. It's and he's pretty, stripped yeah. away. He's stripped he's away, away from everything from, from the from the weight of Iron Man, really, in, in many different away. ways. Yeah, he's stripped away from everyone. Like no one knows who he is, which I, is going to be interesting. How they do that next one? Like, like does he lose his social security number? Does he lose his driver's <laughs> license? Like, wh- like how far does this spell go? And how lonely does that make him? That's a really interesting thing to explore and i gotta say like seeing him go through the isolation it's kind of what we could all relate to right now with like you know suddenly all these people who who you talk to or no i definitely felt that with moving like like i I feel like there's not as many people that i know here and like no one really knows me here and it's uh you know it's it's definitely like a hard thing to go through and it's nice to see them showing like oh like that's that's spider-man now i i personally just kind of connected to that a little bit yeah i'm the aunt the aunt may scene got me like, oh, more yeah. like worse than a than a than a marvel scene has gotten me in a long time yeah um you know and i just it, like i said i thought it was really self-aware and it, it the, the, what was fun about it is how they they just not only did they i kind of joke about each of the different characters and kind of identify some of the differences like you know like with toby he shoots the web directly out of his wrists and they were kind of joking about how the other ones don't do that um and then you know beyond being self-aware you know it kind of takes you through the 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 fourth wall and and they even we even get jokes from andrew garfield's character who kind of acknowledges that his films weren't as well received um (laughs) and uh super meta 
For no, sure. you're oh, amazing. Yeah. You're it, amazing. Right, right. <laughs> and I loved his movies. Maybe not as much, but he had kind of had a darker, um, you know, his films kind of had this like darker, more melodramatic approach. But then even when we get to see him save MJ, kind of yeah. the little nod there um after mm-hmm. what he experienced in his redemption um yeah and yeah, his i mean for me uh, yes i agree with you guys that um we got to learn so much more about tom hollands as a character and they really brought him along and i thought um doing that with the help of the other two spider-mans was just i thought it was brilliant i, I mean it was and the and, and none of that's to mention the action scenes and and i mean i think what what's so cool about it is without even you know, seeing them, you can identify the differences between the three when they're in their suits. That's how, you know, identifiable each of these Spider-Man characters are. Like if when we stood them all up next to each other with their masks on, you knew who was who um, just because there's those subtle differences and we know them so well. So um, as far as, yeah. as as far as villains go, I mean, we obviously get a bunch of them here and it's really fun. I mean, we're they focus more on Doc Ock, Norman Osborn. Jamie Foxx, I would say, are the three that they're really focused on more than anything here. Um, I was like, it was, I did have a slight disappointment, as fun as it was to see like all these uh, villains come back from the different universes. It was, I did have a slight disappointment of knowing that like we weren't going to get like a new villain or we weren't going to see, going to get to see like something different on screen um, because, you know, it's, they're basically all recycled villains from previous films. So, while it was cool to see them all, I, I did have a little bit of a letdown there because I thought it would have been cool to see someone else. But, um, you know, for what they did, like mixing them all together and again, back to the, the core question of this, like Peter Parker dealing like with trying to not only is he going to be here, be a hero, but what kind of hero is he going to be? Because he's constantly stressing about, you know, how he's going to dispatch these guys. And then he gets upset and he's like, just send them all back. It's not my problem. And then he, you know, comes back around to wanting to reform them. So uh, it, I thought it was interesting on that respect, but I mean, the villains were overall solid. I think uh, getting to see Willem Dafoe uh, return to the role and, and sort of, fix some of the things that were sort of campy about his performance the first time around. And then especially Doc Ock, he's very playful in this movie to the point where he's pretty much a good guy more than a bad guy, which is yeah, an interesting I, way to approach one of Spider-Man's biggest villains. Well, I think they've featured him heavily because he's from what well, to Mike's point, one of the widely what's widely considered the best Spider-Man film. He's from the second one. But I like how they use Toby, who's learned from his experiences uh, to kind of help Spider-Man make the decision of what kind of hero he wants to be. You know, Toby, his character went through that same experience where he was really angry and really vengeful and kind of learned and had to go through that and figure that out. And in this film, we literally see Toby stopping, um, you know, stopping Tom Holland's character from killing Willem Dafoe he stops him from doing it right um and it was kind of like him helping figure out okay you don't have to be angry you don't have to be vengeful you can you can take what's happened to you and use it for good um and somehow I I thought Toby had died because he got stabbed and somehow like that just kind of blew over and they're like, nah, he's hurt, but he's okay. So that was kind of weird. <laughs> Missed the but... vital organs there. Yeah, dude. that was that was a little bit of a cheap, cheap scare. I thought so too. There wasn't a real real consequence for that. Um uh, other but... other things that I like, just random stuff. We got to see Matt Murdoch again, Daredevil. I like the callbacks. That was great. uh that's the first time I've seen Daredevil uh in the screen there. Evan, I don't know if you know if you picked up that that was Daredevil, the guy who caught the brick. He played that's Charlie Cox, he plays Daredevil in the Marvel uh series Wait, on Netflix. Evan, did you not realize that that was that, that I've not character? I've not seen Daredevil. No. You didn't know that but you Yeah. Did you know do you know the blind that, lawyer with superhuman reflexes? Do you know I mean, that like, that's a character? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I was I wasn't judging you. I was I was just curious as to I like was. someone who didn't know who Daredevil was how would they what would they take that scene as so i didn't know that i didn't know now that you guys mentioned that 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 was daredevil but i knew that was some marvel reference that i to some hero that i wasn't picking up on immediately but yeah okay. I, obviously i i thought it was you know there was some meaning to that given that blind dude caught a brick right it, so that it was that big, explains uh, it it was a big moment like the same thing with wilson fisk when he showed up in 
Hawkeye that because previously to that uh, appearance and Charlie Cox's appearance in this, uh, it, it was sort of like part of Marvel, but it wasn't referenced directly within the MCU. So this is them yeah. sort of embracing it within it because they would make like in those Netflix shows, they'd make like vague reflex reflexes to the Battle of New York or something like that. But they would never say Thanos or, or real properties out loud. Um, so this is them fully embracing that sort of stuff. And it definitely opens the door for uh, Daredevil to show up down the road, which would be pretty cool uh, for, for fans of that show. That show, actually, they canceled it, but actually a really fantastic show. Um, and then the other random thing I was going to point out was I, I don't know why, but I lost it when Aunt May offered Doc Ock salt water. <laughs> that is so funny. Some of the jokes in this were hilarious. And Zendaya oh, and Ned. And uh, yeah. Zendaya, Ned, and Tom Holland are amazing as a trio. Yeah, I really, I, I, lastly, I'll just say, I really, uh, you know, now that, uh, you know, now that Robert Downey Jr. is gone, I think, I think Tom Holland's my new favorite character. And this really ascended, this really launched his character into a full-formed uh, superhero. And, you uh, know, I'm excited to see, I mean, he's gotten this trilogy, but I know we'll see him uh, many times to come. Hopefully. He's, he's kind of up in the air about it um, based on the reports, but um, maybe uh, what, what grade, what, what's grade it final thoughts and give it a grade. Well, I, uh, I loved it. I gave it a nine out of 10, which I do not give many nine nines. I've got given civil war within the MCU. I've given civil war and Endgame nines. And so this would be a top three Marvel film for me, MCU film. Mike? Um, I think like we've seen a lot of nostalgia done wrong in the last 10 years. And I think this was nostalgia done perfectly. I really, really loved this film. And yeah, uh, yeah like I just, I just kind of found myself when, when they have that final hug and he just says to them, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like that wasn't just like, Peter one saying thank you to Peter two and Peter three. That was, that was Tom Holland saying thank you to Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. And I don't know, in some ways I feel like all of us just, we just want to give all the Spider-Man a big hug and say, thank you. So. Well, yeah. yeah, And, and I mean, just real quick, we're the perfect age for the Spider-Man franchises. We really are. We grew up watching Spider-Man. So this, I think for us on our age, that's why it meant so much. Yep, and yep. I, I I agree. Uh, eight and a half out of ten for me. It, I mean, it's uh, great CGI, great fighting as always. Uh, this movie has great emotional depth to it, and most importantly, it services its main character uh, brilliantly. It completes his arc that we saw with Homecoming and Civil War and all through the Infinity Saga and then in this own trilogy, and he sort of becomes his own and becomes a fully realized imperfect spider-man who has dark flaws and scars within his character framework now and i feel like that's only going to lead to um uh, better things for him in the future and the character in the future because he he has baggage now and he's he really is kind of alone i mean he literally is alone because he of the way that things happen and we should mention dr strange as well appearing in this uh i thought that they used him well uh in this movie sort of picking their spots with him, but also bringing him in natural spots where it makes sense within the framework of the story. Yeah. I mean, you know, Spider-Man's a young character, right? So we, we, we got him with Iron Man and now we kind of get him almost like, like he doesn't need a mentor, but he's a, he's a teenager, you know? So it makes sense to have an adult kind of as a, like a duo with him. And and maybe that's, if they do keep him along, maybe we'll see him, you know, we'll see him more with Dr. Strange. I thought they worked well. By the way, the grade I gave it was an A. <laughs> Not an A plus, huh? A plus, A plus. There you go. I was gonna say I've heard you give movies A pluses, so if this was, I give it an every, A plus. If this was everything that you you dreamed it would be, then uh, I mean, they, it's hard to hit expectations for movies like this, and uh, yeah. and they did. So it was it was a good one coming off it. So um it'll be interesting mcu more stuff coming out into the future here so um you know i think marvel it's going to be important for them to sort of uh be wary of the things we talked about Mm -hmm. um but you know obviously a win here with spider-man so 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's so they, they've kind of exhausted the trilogies for their best characters, and we we lost Black Panther, which is so sad in and of itself. Because I was so looking forward to his next chapter. Um, what do you so think we'll he'll see. do? Like, there, there's know. been a lot of like, there was like a long Twitter discussion the other day. It was trending about like, should they recast him? Because mm-hmm. like. You know, T'Challa is such an important character to so many people, and obviously Chadwick Boseman was perfect as T'Challa, and it's heartbreaking that he he's passed so unexpectedly and so early. But um, does the character deserve to continue and like, you know, take what Chadwick starred and honor it to keep to keep it on with the character, or out, like out of respect for Chadwick, do they just not do it? Is it too strange? I don't know. like. What do you guys think they'll do? I don't think I would have a problem with it being recast. Like that could be I I mean, it's an important character for the MCU and why not give more actors a chance to shine it, you know? Like you can do it in a way that still honors Chadwick and I don't know, do you think Ch- I don't think Chadwick Boseman would be like, "No, no one must play the character now that I've passed." I don't think he would want that. But at the same time is it too soon? Like it, there's a lot of weird things to navigate for it. I definitely think they were planning on Black Panther being one of the uh, superheroes that was going to carry them into phase four. So uh, it's going to be tough to do without him. I mean, I I would like to see it recast. I I know it's going to be awkward, but I mean, they already recast uh, Bruce Banner once in the MCU. So it's not like it's unprecedented. So Um, so. I'm reading off the Wikipedia page because Wakanda forever is planned for this November. And it says that plans for the film changed in August 2020 when Chadwick Boseman died from colon cancer with Marvel choosing not to recast his role of T'Challa. Right, right. Yeah, they I knew that that was the news and the decision, but I guess like moving into the future, I don't know. It's going to be interesting moving forward without it. I hope it's not to the detriment of the movie, I guess. Is yeah, all I'm saying. But yeah, I don't know. We got to we got to get out of here. We're probably running in about an hour so. Um, real quick, give me something. Give me a suggestion to watch. Who do you want? What do you want the read- listeners to watch? Um, it's not Matrix Resurrections. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, maybe we can talk about that next time. Uh, also, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't strongly <laughs> recommend Dear Evan Hansen either. <laughs> um, uh, something does it have to be out right now? I just give them something. Uh, Cobra Kai. All right, cool. What about you, Evan? I'm going to go with uh, suggesting the Netflix series Archive 81. Uh, It's a James Wan piece. Well, he's somewhat involved, distant or what, I'm not sure. But it's a little bit out there, but it's a pretty good kind of like supernatural horror thriller series. Um, So Archive 81 on Netflix. And I'm going to say Euphoria, the second season's out now. It's awesome. I think I reviewed it on the pod once. Spencer, I just watched. Kristen Stewart is amazing in that role and the way that they approached her story uh, and sort of her deterioration in in her situation was, it was honestly incredible and brilliant the way they did it. Hoping to review that a little bit longer on a later uh, episode. And then also Beanie Mania is is a documentary on uh, HBO Max about the Beanie Baby craze in the 90s that I also found quite interesting. Um, so those would be my three recommendations. I have I have another two recommendations. One is uh, so far a couple episodes in, but so far The Gilded Age on HBO has been really enjoyable to watch. And then um, there's this it's it's like this random old like trilogy of movies that uh, came out in the early 2000s. Probably no one remembers it. It had like a huge cast it was a foreign made film um it's called lord of the rings and it's uh it's so good i don't think evan's seen it and uh, I haven't, I haven't. No. Yeah, all right well we can't get we can't get out of here without a mention of uh that one superhero <laughs> with a bow and arrow or lord of the rings that is just tradition here at the second day film podcast so uh hope you guys enjoyed our rambling uh it was kind of a disjointed marvel all things marvel episode but that's okay that's okay this is one of the biggest uh phenomenons in our society these days so it's okay to spend a little time uh with a little dialogue on it guys so appreciate it uh, again check out our facebook page if you want and give us a review if you want or just listen or just don't listen we don't care uh but it's great to have anyone who is listening 
along for the ride because we love talking about movies. We love nerding out about it. So uh, let's get out of here, guys. It's getting late. It is a Tuesday. So for Evan Dean and Mike Nichols, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you for listening to the Second Day Film Podcast. We'll talk to you next time, and we'll see you at the movies.